there is a good chance that you are a guitarist. In fact, there's probably a good chance that the only instrument that you play is the guitar, or at least the only instrument that you play that you traditionally use for songwriting. So in this episode, we're going to talk about specifically over 10 ways to start writing a song specifically with the guitar. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy week to talk about songwriting with me. Certainly is something that I understand. There's only so much time for certain podcasts. You get to pick and choose. There isn't enough time to listen to or watch all the things that you want to. So that is certainly not lost on me. I appreciate that quite a bit. And if you haven't already, great pair to go with this episode is my 10 different ways to start writing a song. That covers at a higher level sort of what we're talking about today. Today we're drilling in deep and talking about specifically for the guitar. But if you want something that's at a higher level that isn't just talking about, you know, how to start a song with a guitar, uh, but just different ways to start writing a song, be sure to check that out. Link will be in the show notes per usual, but it's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. So check that out if you haven't already. Today, in this episode, we are talking about ways to start writing a song with the guitar. So for, so for all of you that are guitarists only or guitarists first and foremost, I figure I would dive in really deep into, okay, let's say you only play the guitar. What are some great ways to start writing a song with a guitar beyond just the most typical go-tos? But we'll talk about the typical go-tos as well. So let's actually open with that. The vast majority of people who start songwriting with the guitar tend to start with chords, right? And traditionally, you would start with strummed chords. In fact, if I were to guess, probably like 50% or more of all all songs started by guitarists started with them strumming open chords. Maybe not quite that high, but probably that high. So what do I mean by open chords or open position chords? We're talking about just the stuff like, you know, your traditional G major chord and C major chord, D major chord. And usually you're going to be writing these songs in the keys of G major, C major, D major, and A major. So if you don't know, open position chords are just any chord that contains at least one unfretted open string. Uh, so usually these are the chords that tend to be, uh, you know, played very much towards the tuning pegs, if you will, not not played up the frets, but on the lowest frets. Um, not always, but most of them. And you know, this is your your just traditional. You know, you go look up your basic guitar sheet music or not, not even sheet music, like chord charts. And it says like G major, C major, D major. And you play the open G major and the open C major and the open D major. So that of course is a way to start writing a song. In fact, I think that's probably the best way to start writing a song. If you are a beginner songwriter or maybe even more specifically a beginner guitarist, uh, because that's basically the most basic version of guitar. Right. Unlike piano, where the most basic version of the piano is sort of like playing a single melody or something like that on guitar, really the most basic 
thing that you learn on guitar tends to be playing some basic open chords and learning how to strum. So great way to start out with, and probably the most obvious, right? So you basically just pick a key or pick, if you don't even know about keys, you just literally just pick a few chords that some people would say go well together, which really means that they're all in the same key. Um, like for example, G major, C major, and D major, that would heavily indicate that you are in the key of G major because the D major chord has an F sharp in it, which means you're probably not in the key of C major, which doesn't contain uh, D sharp. And you know you're not in D major because D major has C sharp and you played C major, not C sharp major. So that's a quick little music theory for you. Um, but another thing you can do which is very similar, uh, but is a good way to put a little bit of a twist without having to really add much skill, specifically using E major. Now, what's special about E major with the guitar is that it's kind of a nice hybrid where technically what you're playing would be considered open chords. But you can very easily, with E major get a open guitar tuning sound from E major. Now, the reason for that is because the sound that we think of when we think of an open tuned guitar, what makes it distinctive and obvious, once you know what an open tuning guitar is anyway, uh, and you can tell as soon as it's played, is it has the same open strings ringing out constantly. So you can think of it like guitar string pedal tones. Right, so in E major, it's actually very easy to effectively play what really are close to, if not like power chord type structures, but you just let all the extra strings ring out. If you think about it, your lowest string is E, your highest string is E, right? Your second highest string is B, which is the fifth of an E major chord. So if you just... you. Like, that's three of the strings, right? So there's three strings left. So you only need to have fingers on those three strings making up chords that would be contained within E major. And boom, you have that that open guitar tuning sound where it sort of sounds like it's in maybe open D tuning or open C tuning, but you actually can keep your guitar tuned in the still standard tuning. Now, this is great because if you have only one guitar and you don't want to keep tuning back and forth, which is not very good for a guitar and certainly isn't good for your tuning and not very good for your strings. Uh, this, this is a great way to sort of get that sound without having to learn a new tuning or anything else. Literally just choose to write in E major and you can sort of get that hybrid. And this is going to inspire you to write differently because open tuning just sounds different than what your normal standard tuning guitar work tends to sound like. But on that, that's another thing that we can do when we start writing a song with the guitar. You can use a different tuning. Now, most often, a different tuning is going to usually mean some form of open tuning. There are other ones. For example, there's Nashville tuning, which effectively is a tuning where it's still standard tuning, so you can play the chords the same way you would on a standard tuned guitar. The difference is all the lowest strings are made one octave higher so that the pitch range of the guitar, instead of being relatively wide, so when you play an open G chord, right, 
um, you know, you're playing a pretty low G on the lowest string, and you're playing a pretty high G on the highest string. Uh, but with Nashville tuned guitars, the range is shrunken a lot. Uh, but usually you're going to do an open tuning, which we won't dive into everything that goes into what an open tuning is. But the, the basic version of it is usually an open tuning is where every string is tuned to either A, the tonic of a key. So let's take open D. There's several different open D tunings. Uh, and then there's a classic one. But any tuning that you would generally consider open D, the implication is that it's going to be in D major. Uh, you certainly could make an open D minor one, but usually it's D major. So every string is going to be tuned either to D, which is the root, and then usually if it's not tuned to D, it will be tuned to the fifth or sometimes the fourth. So every every um, string will be tuned to D or A or possibly G. Once in a while you have tunings that break a little bit out of that, uh, but m most open tunings are something like that. Overall, the best way to think of what an open tuning is, is if you do not put your fingers on the fretboard at all and you just strum, it will sound like a chord, right? Because if, if you just strum a standard tuned guitar, it sounds like garbage, right? It's awful. But if you hand somebody who doesn't play guitar an open tuned guitar, they can literally, they can just strum it and it will sound good because it usually forms in the case of say open D, usually it will, it will make a D major chord. Also, somehow I left out the third. Very common to have the third in there, uh, especially if you want it to actually create a D major chord. Then you would need to have Ds, strings tunes to Ds, and then you'd need at least one F sharp and at least one A because that makes up in a D major chord. Open C, same thing, but C major. So C, E, and G. And then again, sometimes they have a fourth in there. So it doesn't have to be to a basic major chord. But anyway, another thing you can do off of that is not only can you borrow a tuning that already exists, but you can actually get creative with it and invent your own tuning. In fact, this is where the Goo Goo Dolls get their distinct sound is literally John Resnick was not that great of a guitarist, so he tried to figure out, well, how can I get a big sound from my guitar despite not being a very good guitarist? And he realized open tunings were a great way to do this. And, you know, many years later, <laughs> the Goo Dolls have a very distinct, very Goo Goo Dolls sound, and that all came from really a weakness that Johnny Resnick had, um, which could be a whole episode in and of itself. I actually think it probably has been. There's been too many episodes now. I, I can't remember all of them. <laughs> that that's the downside. We're on like 184. But um, all to say, you can invent your own tuning. I actually did this to write a song. I was running creatively dry. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something like what the Goo Dolls do. And I'm going to just invent a tuning. So I came up with a tuning that was uh, basically a open C sharp tuning. Um, I believe most of the notes were C sharp and... I think I had a couple G sharps. So again, the fifth, it might've been just C sharps and G sharps. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, unfortunately, I still only have one acoustic guitar and I don't want to ruin the tuning. So I haven't tuned back to it, but I do want a second guitar literally just to keep an open tunings to make this even easier. But again, Hey, if you only have one guitar or one acoustic guitar and you don't want to tune it back and forth, I hear that. Good little hack again, 
use that E major trick until you can justify buying a second acoustic guitar. All right. So besides open chords and then chords in open tunings, power chords, right? So not only do we have open chords, but we have power chords. And, you know, especially in certain genres, this is just going to be more common. If you're writing punk music, you're probably not starting with open chords. You're probably starting with power chords. If you're writing rock music, you're probably starting with power chords. But regardless of the type of songwriter you are, this is a good way to change it up. Because usually just the way power chords sound versus open chords, especially on something like an acoustic guitar, is different enough that it will inspire you differently. Not necessarily majorly differently, but differently. Just for example, on an acoustic guitar, if you just play power chords, it usually sounds really empty and lame. Like power chords need distortion or overdrive or both in order to shine because there's just not enough notes. There's just not enough going on because you're usually playing either a two note power chord or maybe a three note power chord, which is literally half the guitar strings. Not to mention that it's just a first and a fifth and then the first again, or just the first and the fifth, if it's the two note version of a chord, which is just a dyad, uh, which is fine. It has great uses, but it tends to sound empty on an acoustic guitar with no effects. And yet, if you take an open chord and play it with distorted guitar, it tends to sound terrible because there's too much going on for the distortion and then you get too many overtones and it sounds messy. All to say, power chords can inspire you differently. So if you take your acoustic guitar and start playing around with power chords, you might be inspired in a different way than you are with open chords. We'll just blow through that one because I don't really think there's that much more to say about that besides, hey, if you haven't thought about it, try changing up different types of chords with the guitar rather than just maybe going to the same open chords. So while we're at it, let's throw in bar chords. Bar chords, another thing to be sure to try out. Don't ignore bar chords. Yes, I know, especially if you're a beginner guitarist or even I feel like intermediate guitarist, bar chords are a pain. <laughs> they suck. I get it. Anytime I go a little while without playing the guitar, which happens because again, I'm more a pianist than a guitarist, uh, so sometimes that happens, right? Whenever I go back and try to play some bar chords, I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> so I feel that, but don't forget about bar chords. Don't forget about what they can add. Even try building a whole progression off of bar chords. If nothing else, it will help you play in some different keys than you normally would play because with open chords, you're pretty limited in keys. So you're not, for example, going to ever really have a song in B-flat major using open chords because there aren't any B-flat major open chords, or maybe I shouldn't say there aren't any, but certainly there would be exotic ones. So what's something else we can do <clears throat> before we get off of chord progressions completely? Because I think there's a little bit more to dig into here. What if you pick a little special extra add-on to your progression? Maybe you have a slide somewhere. Or maybe a hammer-on or pull-off, which a pull-off is just the opposite of a hammer-on. And therefore, usually, a, a well, I, a lot of times a hammer-on comes with a pull-off built in as well. Uh, but a lot of times, I guess it doesn't. But you might be surprised if you just determine, you know what? I'm going to do one hammer-on in my chord progression. Just one. 
that can make a huge difference. Huge difference. Even if you, like the most typical one ever that's easy as crap in case you just want, if you just want a very practical, here, do this. Uh, Let's say you're in G major or D major. Uh, But let's say you're in G major, you have a progression involving G and C and D and maybe E minor. D major, doing a hammer-on with your pinky finger to the G on the highest string instead of the F sharp, which is what it is normally on in an open D major chord. Easiest hammer-on ever. So literally just doing that can add a whole bunch to your chord progression. But let's get past chords, or specifically strummed chords for a second. What about pick-picking? What you can come up with when you decide to pick individual notes with a pick is radically different. In fact, a very simple chord progression that would that could sound boring if you just strummed it can all of a sudden sound much more refined and interesting just by picking it. And specifically when you're picking it with a pick, this is often very good for specifically st- usually relatively straight arpeggios, right? There's usually not too, too much going on. You're playing one note at a time because it's a pick, right? Maybe you could hit two adjacent notes at the same time, right? Or three or whatever, because you can strum with a pick as well. But usually what you're doing is picking one individual note at a time. You come up with a a pattern that you pick, right? So it might be first string, third string, second string, fourth string, or, you know, maybe one, two, three, four. In this case, well, really, you can say one is either one. But in this case, what I was thinking in my head is one, meaning the low E string, two, meaning, you know, the A. So regardless, right, you you pick a pattern with your right hand for pick picking and then have chords. And instantly, instantly you're going down a slightly different direction. The way you're going to play is going to be different and what you come up with is going to be different. Even if you're using the same old, same old chords, it's a good way to take you in a different direction. And then beyond that, don't underestimate how finger picking can take you in a very different direction than pick picking. And a good way to think about this is there's some stuff that you you can't really pick with a pick. Um, if you think about you know, singer-songwriter type stuff like a lot of what, say, a James Taylor would do, or really any true, like, acoustic singer-songwriter type, uh, perhaps a, a Joshua Radin, for example, uh, for a more m- modern example. If you haven't heard of him, go check out his song Winter, specifically. Fantastic. Very sad, fantastic. Allegedly the first song he ever wrote. Uh, which is shocking to me because that might be the best first song any human being has ever written ever to the point that uh, I might argue that's still his best song, (laughs) which uh, maybe has a a tragic twist. But regardless, go check it out. Joshua Radin or Radin. I I feel like I used to think it's Radin and then I found out it was Radin or I don't know, one direction or the other. Joshua Radin, uh, Winter, check it out. But uh, for for styles like that, you're very acoustic singer-songwriter. Oftentimes, they're doing things like, for example, they will pluck the the lowest string, the E string, and then you know they'll pluck, pluck the third or fourth string at the same time, and then they'll do you know single note patterns 
Uh, and, you know, so sometimes they'll, they'll pick two notes at once that aren't adjacent. And you can't really do that with a pick, but you can do that with finger picking. So don't underestimate how different something you can come up with is when you do finger picking versus pick picking. But what about past chords, right? We've talked about chords long enough. So what if instead we write melodies? Because really, you can write a melody with your guitar simply by coming up with a singable solo. Because that's effectively what a melody is, right? If you think about solo versus melody, solo in this case meaning, you know, guitar solo, it's actually common for, for certain solos to be referred to as melodic, right? So what's the reason for that? What, what does somebody mean when they say, oh, uh, that guitar solo is melodic? The implication of that is that it is singable or that it sounds like something that could be a vocal melody. Now, it's a little interesting, right? Because a melody doesn't have to be a vocal and a, a melody really doesn't have to be singable per se, but usually they are. Usually they're at least mostly singable. Uh, even if it's a synth melody or a guitar melody, they tend to be more singable or hummable or whistleable. So simply, especially if you're a stronger guitarist, by picking a scale, right? Maybe if you want to go start real simple, start with a pentatonic. Otherwise, you know, pick a major or minor scale and just do some solo improvisation. And that can actually give you two different ways to start a song. Actually, three, but we'll start with two. One is that you can actually open by coming up with a solo that will be in your song and build the song around that. Now, I don't really recommend that, um, but that's also just, frankly, I'm a little biased against guitar solos. I'm not a big fan of guitar solos. To me, I have only so much time in my in a song to write. I, I don't necessarily want to waste time on a guitar solo when I could be giving more lyrical content, but I love lyrics, so I'm biased. So I'm just telling you that bias so that you take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt in this one thing. This is absolutely a bias of mine. Um, but so, so to me, I don't think you should build off of a guitar solo because I think it's, you know, very rarely is the guitar solo even in the top five most important things in a song. Maybe it can be if you're an elite guitarist or something, you know, if you're Slash or somebody like that, this, then maybe it's a little different. But generally speaking, a uh, song is usually not made by a by a solo, and therefore usually we should start our songs with some of the more important parts of the song. But regardless, you certainly can start with that. If you decide instead, though, or if you just accidentally come up with a solo that is very melodic and something that's very singable specifically, or if you're even aiming to do something singable, because maybe, for example, you're kind of a stronger guitarist, maybe you're a really strong guitarist, you can solo for days easily. And it might be easier for you to write a great melody with guitar than it is with you improvising with your own voice. So for me, for example, I, I, I find almost all my vocal melodies now are written at, at a keyboard of some kind, whether it's my actual acoustic piano I have upstairs or my keyboard downstairs. The vast majority of my melodies I write on a piano first. 
simply because I find it easier to write melodies on piano. And of course, you know, I, eventually, you know, you sing along with it to make sure it's actually singable and all that. Um, but, you know, you can visualize with a piano or a guitar a melody in a way that you can't when you're singing out loud. If you have perfect pitch, maybe you can kind of visualize it more. Uh, but for most of us plebs that don't have perfect pitch, uh, you know, it's just it's kind of hard to visualize and our voice will just naturally revert to doing what the voice finds comfortable, which tends to be very, um, very singable stuff. Yes, on a positive side, but also tends to be more conversational, right? So if, if I'm singing and improvising, chances are I don't have too many leaps in my melody. Because I'm going to sing something that feels natural, which is like how I speak, which is conversational, which tends to have basically just steps. You step up a little bit, you step down a little bit. But that is not, you know, sometimes our melodies, we need leaps. We need something more interesting than that. So perhaps writing your melody with your guitar via some form of soloing with your pentatonic or major or minor scale might actually be a way to go to write a great melody. In fact, it might be a better, if you're a good guitarist, it might be a better way to write melodies than with your voice. And when I say melodies, I mean literally vocal melodies. The vocal melody for your song, it might be better for you to write it with the guitar if you are a proficient guitarist. It might not. But it might. It might also be a good place to just start with coming up with melodies. And even if you don't, a great way to change up the type of melody that you write instead of maybe doing what your voice wants to keep pulling back to, whatever your voice naturally likes to do. Because if we keep improvising with our voice, our voice is probably going to keep dragging us back to the same way we've always done things. So a great way to break out of that box, write a melody via your guitar with soloing. But let's say we don't come up with a singable solo. Or maybe we intentionally don't come up with a singable solo and instead end up having a killer hook. Fantastic. Guitar hooks can be super important. Just like a piano hook can be super important, oftentimes these are the type of things that can carry verses. Because often verses don't have too much going on, so that leaves a lot of room for... You know, you the few instruments you do have during a verse, you want to be more interesting. Not always, but often this can be helpful. So, you know, j just thinking practically, if you have two guitars in the vocal during the verses, and then your chorus has, you know, five guitars, six guitars, you have organ layered in, maybe you have a string quartet in there, you have bass, you have drums, you have the whole the whole thing. Right, each individual part becomes less important. And frankly, the part that's probably carrying the chorus is your vocal anyway, or at least it certainly should be. So is it really important to have a killer guitar hook in the chorus? Honestly, not really. Compared to, it might, it might be more helpful in the verse. But even beyond that, regardless, a great way to start a song is with a hook. And keep, keep in mind when I say this, a hook is usually going to be something where it's one or two short phrases repeated. A hook and a melody are, are there's a Venn diagram between the two, and they certainly intersect. But they're not one in the same. 
A melody often has more complexity and often has longer phrases, but a hook is almost always south of 10 notes. You can have a, a melodic phrase that's over 10 notes for sure. Uh, and a lot of them probably are around 10 notes, but usually a hook is more like four to six. And even ones that are more than four to six have a very simplistic design usually, right? It's, it's meant to be a bite-sized thing that you can repeat over and over and over again, right? A great way to think of this is any like rap song, right? Almost every rap song has one single hook that is repeated the entire song, right? If you think Lose Yourself by Eminem, right? It just has that one guitar hook over and over and over again. Now, in that case, it's also kind of a chord progression. It's not a perfect example of a hook. Or Yeah by Usher. I know that's not a rap song, but another great example of like a really simple hook that just keeps going. And somehow that hook, hook is just so catchy that it, it pulls off the fact that it just repeats for like four minutes. Um, but regardless, something else that we can write with our guitar is a killer hook, which is again, different than a melody. Uh, usually the style of it's going to be different. It's going to sound a little bit different. Again, a hook and a melody is not one in the same, you know, a, a melody tends to be more complex, more overarching, longer, whereas a hook tends to be sort of very short and simplistic and something that you can kind of just repeat that one thing over and over again. And it functions just as something that hooks the listener in, right? Hooks their ear. So regardless of how you're using your scales, right? Because both of these are built off of scales. You can write a melody that's meant to eventually be your vocal melody, or you can write a killer hook that is probably going to stay a guitar part, right? So if you're, if you're writing a melody, a melodic solo, if you will, that probably is going to become the vocal melody for your song. If you're writing a hook, that's probably going to become a hook within your song. And depending on how it's written, it might replace a chord progression and you might not have a traditional chord progression per se, or it might actually be layered on top of a chord progression. Regardless, we're not going to care about that at this point because we're just talking about, okay, let's, how do we start a song with a guitar in different ways so that we start with different parts? So we've already covered chord progressions in all different ways between finger picking, using open tunings, uh, picking with a pick. Um, and, and now we've also talked about past, things past chords, right? Melodies, your vocal melody, killer hook. But what do you call a hook with your low strings. Well, if you're not careful, you might actually write a bass line. <laughs> and that wouldn't be a bad thing because this is actually another great way to start your songs with your guitar is simply writing with single notes on your lowest two strings. It doesn't have to be your lowest two strings, but usually it's going to be, and writing a bass line. Great way to start writing a song. Bass lines are, I feel like, often taken for granted. And yet we all know that we everybody loves a killer bass line, right? And yet there's tons of songs that have basically a non-existent bass line. And that just seems tragic to me. 
Now, I think we all could write killer bass lines more often, and I'm not saying every song needs a killer bass line or even should have one. Every song calls for a different uh, recipe for sure. But we all love killer bass lines. What a great thing to add to your repertoire. If you if you are writing an EP, maybe you've written your first four or five songs, and you're trying to write that fifth or sixth song to finish up your first EP, and everything you've done so far is largely driven by open acoustic guitar, right? You're using your G majors and your C majors and all that kind of stuff. And maybe even we'll say that one of your songs, you mixed it up a little bit and you use some finger picking. What you have missing from that repertoire probably is a killer bass line. Because frankly, if you don't start with the bass line, usually the bass line ends up being kind of pedestrian at best. Unless, say, you bring in a real bass guitarist, sometimes they can come up with one. But for most of us, you know, we're kind of doing all our instruments ourselves. And, you know, if you're a guitarist, you are by default a okay bass guitarist. And if you're a bass guitarist, please don't yell at me. Yes, I know. Yes, I know that a true bass guitarist does way more than what a guitarist would do when handed a bass. I understand that. I respect that. I I have I have had bass guitars in my bands before. I don't know why I said bands plural. Band before. Um, and I very much understand and appreciate how much a good real bassist can add to a song. 100%. But the reality is for a lot of songs, the bass part usually ends up being something really simple. That's just the root of the chord anyway. In which case, you don't need a killer bass guitarist. And frankly, a lot of times we just don't have one. So we have to live without one. But a great way to move past just having a bass part that's like, oh, well, I'm playing G major chord. So G on the bass and hold. Or maybe bum, 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 right? You know, four in a row. And I'm sure that wasn't a G. Again, no perfect pitch. <laughs> but, um, and then you have a C chord. And then you have C in the bass. How do we move past that? What's a great way to move past that? Literally, get your guitar out, use just the bottom string, maybe the bottom two strings, and write a bass line, which effectively is like writing some form of solo. Again, it, it tends to be more like a hook on a spectrum from like hook all, all the way to with hook being like most simple melody being a little more complex and solo being more complex, usually to the point that it's no longer singable. Whereas you usually can sing a hook and you definitely can sing a melody. If we look at it like a spectrum like that, the bass line is very much closer to probably a hook than anything else. Sometimes in that melody to hook range, as far as it tends to be relatively singable, especially if you sing it, you know, an octave above or two octaves above. But another great way to start writing your song with your guitar. Also of note, depending on the musical style or genre of music, you definitely can create sing like low single string riffs that are meant to be guitar riffs, right? A lot of rock bands will have one hook that utilizes the guitar's lowest strings while another riff will be layered on top of that utilizing higher strings. Uh, Breaking Benjamin does this all the time, all the time. So if you ever heard the song Diary of Jane, that's kind of the epitome of what I'm talking about here. There's one guitar that's playing this low, rumbly riff, 
And then there's also another guitar that's playing the 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 really main riff that you can hear most well. So that's another thing you can do. That's separate than a bass line, right? It's it's almost like a second bass line that's a little higher would be one way of looking at it. And then lastly, use different guitars. This may sound obvious. Maybe it is obvious, but we're going to say it anyway. Use different guitars because look, if you're just grabbing your acoustic every time you songwrite, that is going to inspire you in a different direction than an electric guitar is. Even an electric guitar played clean is likely to inspire you differently than an acoustic. And certainly, if you turn on your electric and turn you know, the distortion up, that's going to inspire you radically different than an acoustic guitar, right? You, you turn the distortion on enough for your electric guitar with whatever amp you're using or if you're using software. It doesn't really matter, right? Just whatever distortion you have, <laughs> turn it up or use it. And you're, you're, you're going to play totally differently. With an acoustic, you're probably playing open chords and stuff. Open chords with tons of distortion sounds terrible, terrible. And you know what sounds great with a heavily distorted guitar that sounds not usually great with an acoustic? Playing single notes, like the low notes, the, just on your low E string. On acoustic, that would usually sound dull and boring and like a weird solo that's too low. On an electric guitar with heavy distortion, it sounds epic. <laughs> it, it, it sounds great. It sounds like the beginning of a hard rock song, a, a sort of post-grunge-like hard rock song, or metal even. And you can also, just as another example, have clean electric with a ton of reverb and or delay and that's going to inspire you in a totally different direction too. And in fact, a lot of reverb and delay can really help you get away with making something really interesting out of something that is really sparsely played, right? You can sort of just play one note of a solo, hold it for a few seconds, play another single note. And if you didn't have all the reverb and delay, it might sound incredibly boring, like, oh my goodness, get on with it. But it might sound really ethereal and beautiful, because of the different effects. So all of these things, literally just changing up the guitar you use, changing up the effect on the guitars, that can inspire you in totally different songwriting directions. So again, open chords, try open tunings, use E major as sort of a hack if you don't want to or can't really try open tunings because maybe you only have one guitar and you don't want to overtune it, blah, blah, blah. E major is a good hack. Use Power and bar chords, if you haven't, or if you have sort of stayed away from them, uh, try adding special add-ons to your progressions simply by doing a hammer-on, pull-off. Try pick-picking, try finger-picking. Uh, besides chords, we can write melodies. We can write solos, which, again, should be considered somewhat distinct from melodies that are intended to be vocal melodies. You can write a killer hook. You can write a killer bass line, which, again, is effectively a hook for a bass, if you will. And then you can write low single string riffs in the style of a lot of post-grunge and metal type music. And look, you can do that even if you're not doing those styles as well. Great way to actually uh, sort of throw a curveball compared to what your genre's uh, tropes are. Change it up. And then use different guitars and different effects on the guitars. 
And just because I think this is an important thing to always keep in mind, and maybe you're new here, very important, don't forget to record. And you may say, Joseph, I don't have, I don't have a fancy guitar or fancy recording setup. That's fine. That's not even what I'm talking about here. First, first of all, I do highly recommend, like literally for like $300, you can get a killer set of everything you need to record and sound great. Like recording equipment is super cheap these days. If you haven't heard, it is legitimately super cheap. Um, Like $1,000 gets you gr- just a fantastic setup. $500 gets you a good one. $300 is more than good enough. But that aside, let's say you don't have all that. That's not even what I'm talking about. Literally pull your phone out and use the recording software on there. Literally just to record it so you do not forget what you write. That's the important part. The other important part is let's say that you do end up writing a guitar hook. And that's what you start with. But then you realize, you know, I I don't think this guitar hook holds holds the song by itself. It needs a chord progression underneath it. It can be hard to, without, especially if you don't know music theory, to figure out what chords would go underneath that hook if you're not listening to the hook. And you can't play the hook while also playing a chord progression because you can't play two guitars at once. Or if you can, let me know because, wow, that's special. You should shoot me a video. But, but like, people can't do that, right? That's not a thing that happens. So, because we have t- two arms, not four. We're not General Grievous. Boom, Star Wars reference, right at the buzzer. And so what you can do is pull out your phone, record that killer hook, and then you can just hit play, listen back to it, and now try to improvise chords underneath it until you find a good chord progression that goes well with that hook. If you don't record that first part, good luck. It'll probably take a while and really for no reason because you have a phone. And your phone has a recorder on it. So there's a last little tip for you. Again, if you haven't already, check out my free guide, 10 Different Ways to Start Writing a Song. That's at a higher level than this, right? Because there are five different ways are from a more lyrical standpoint. Five are from a more musical standpoint. And generally, it's just it's higher level, right? In that, I'm not presuming that you're a guitarist, for example, as we did in this one in this episode in this episode we dove specifically into the guitar stuff because frankly probably most of you are guitarists figure it would be helpful to you to talk just specifically if you're a guitarist first and foremost you don't want to move away from starting a song with a guitar quite yet what are some different ways to start writing a song specifically with that same instrument that you've been using already hopefully this was helpful to you if you haven't already and you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a review, hopefully a kind review on Apple Podcasts. If you feel you can give it five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever, that would be greatly appreciated. If you feel you can't, then you should shoot me an email and let me know how I can improve to earn those five stars from you. Uh, To all of you who have already left reviews, I deeply appreciate it. That helps Uh, other people to find this podcast and hopefully they can be helped as much as you were helped as indicated by the fact that you left a a kind review although i guess if you didn't leave a kind review then (laughs) then i i don't know you didn't help with that you if anything 
maybe you helped a couple people be like, you know what? I'm not going to like this guy. I'm going to head out. I don't know. <laughs> and chances are, if you left a, a low review, you're no longer listening to this podcast. So who am I talking to, really? I don't know. But anyway, those of you who left kind reviews, which is probably all of you who are listening now, I appreciate it. it means a lot to me. Hope this was helpful to you, and I will talk to you in the next one.